But today I want to I want to conclude the series I've been doing on ish. We've talked about winning ish. We've talked about protecting ish. And now I want to preach the sermon that was going to be the one single sermon that I turned into a couple of sermons called Christian-ish. Now, as we've talked about throughout this month, this phrase-ish means sort of, close. Uh, uh, if, if, if you say, I'm going to meet you at, at six-ish, that means that, you know, Somewhere around six. If if the plane is supposed to leave at one oh five ish, for those of you who don't know, I I managed to cause my son to miss his plane yesterday, and so he's flying out today instead of yesterday because I got the spirit of ish on me yesterday, and we we didn't make it ish in time. Uh, but um, but today I want to talk about Christian ish. I want you to open your Bibles with me. Amen. Matthew chapter 23. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. Matthew 23, verse number 1. And I used to say, forgive me for reading a long passage, but I never apologize for the Word of God anymore. So bear with me. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers." But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their their proselytes board and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues. Greeting in the marketplaces and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles themselves, will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, and you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for the pretense of making long prayers, therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and then when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the temple is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated to perform it. 
fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And and whosoever swears by the altar is nothing, but whosoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obligated to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or, or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of men and anises and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out gnat, strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of a cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful, beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build tombs of the prophets and adorn them with monuments of righteous. And say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witness against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then and measure your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, scribe, some of whom you will kill, crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. And on that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, for the blood of the righteous Abel, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Belchah whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your power. We praise you for your anointing. And Lord, I thank you for your word, even the tough word. And Lord, I pray that you would send your victory and send your power Lord, let us move from Christian-ish to Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It is not my desire this morning to stomp on toes. It's not my desire this morning to be harsh or rude. 
But the scripture says what the scripture says. My fear is that we have become pharisaical in the church. My fear is that we have become more concerned with the tradition of the church than with the presence of the Spirit. My concern is that we have become more knowledgeable about what mama did and what daddy did and what happened 10 years ago, then we are open to what the Spirit is doing today. And because of that, we have come to a place that we no longer can rightfully call ourselves Christian, but instead we have to admit that we have become Christian-ish. We pick and choose what we want to live by. We pick and choose what rules we want to follow. We pick and choose what we want to to adhere to and what we don't want to adhere to. We live in a society. We live in a world where we have decided that this part of the Bible is acceptable and that part of the Bible is not. And that's really not what he meant. And now we come into a world where we have churches who are arguing whether or not you should allow a homosexual man to pastor your church. Church, that's Christian-ish. It's not Christian. Oh, but, but we're talking about the grace and the mercy of God, and I believe in the grace and the mercy of God, but it is not free and it is not cheap. It comes with a price. It comes with a payment that we have to pay. We are responsible to obey the laws of the word. As I look through this passage of scripture, there's so many places that I could preach from. I could talk about how that we want to be called by titles. No. I could talk about how that we find it more important that we honor more important that we honor a table where we set communion or an altar where lives are saved but we forget what happens in those places I've said it once I've said it a thousand times these altars contain the place where lives are changed where hearts are saved what happens at these altars are holy But the altars are wood and fabric. They're just furniture. But somewhere down the road, we have decided that because that furniture had something special happen at it, it's sacred. People will argue with me about the altars. But can I tell you, we do the same thing with pictures. <gasps> that picture of Jesus. My grandma gave that picture of Jesus. We can't take it down off the wall. It's a picture, folks. Grow up. I said it, grow up. We... I, I could go through here and time after time I could talk about things, but I've picked two areas that I want to talk about. I skipped over one last one I should have talked about, but I didn't. 
I love verse 24 where it says, Blind guides, you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. Oh, you'll fight tooth and toenail over a little matter, but you'll let sin walk in and sit down beside you in church and you'll put your arm around it and embrace it. We've got to become holy as he is holy. The two areas that I want to look at, one of them comes in verse number 25. It says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and indulgence. You clean the outside of the cup. You want to make sure that it looks right. I should have wore a tie today. You make sure that it has the right look. Oh, you know how we clean the cup in the church? We, 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 we get all cleaned up for church. We come in and we go, good morning, brother. Good morning, sister. Such a joy to be in the house of the Lord today. And you're all sticky sweet. You've cleaned up the outside. But inside, you're hiding the fact that you've been gossiping about that brother. You've been talking about that sister all week. You have been telling everybody how you don't like what they do. You don't like how they act. Good morning, Pastor. How are you today? That ain't what you said on the phone to somebody else yesterday. Come on now. We, we clean up the cup. We want to look good. We want to look important. We want to look like we're holy. But the problem is not what we look like on the outside. It's what we are like on the inside. You see, you don't become Christian-ish just because you try to look like something on the outside. But on the inside, everything is different. Have you ever heard me say I'm sick and tired of church? Just about every week. You know why I'm sick and tired of church? Because I want the church to move from here to there. I want the church to move from inside four walls to in the middle of the streets. I want us to be a place that is not about the outside, but the inside. You see, the inside of what's in our cup. It's what we're poisoning people with. Here's what he says. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside, they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. We are poisoning a society with hypocritical thinking. People tell me, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there. You know what I usually tell them? You're right. There's hypocrites in the church. Hypocrites, somebody that says one thing and does another. I'm not going to come out and start pointing fingers, but I'm telling you there's some hypocrites in the church. I mean, there's some hypocrites in the church. There, there are times that we look so fine and clean and holy, but what's inside becomes so selfish that we're poisoning our society. 
you back up in the scripture and it says, it says that, that you, you spend all your money, you'll travel land and sea to win one person, win one proselyte, one person from another faith. And then when you've won him, it says you've turned him into twice the son of hell that you are. You know how that happens? Because we recreate what we are. And if what is inside is not clean, if what it is inside is not truly Christian, we run the, the, the danger of creating a generation of people who'd have no clue what to believe in. Oh, pastor, the young people of this generation, they just don't get faith. They don't get faith because we didn't get faith. They don't get faith because we taught them that going to the lake was more important than going to church. They don't get faith because we taught them that the only thing important about church was making sure that church is done my way. The reason why our next generation is so messed up is because we have poured into them the extortion and the self-indulgence. Boy, ain't nobody shouting this morning. I gave you Sunday night off just so you could breathe a little bit. Let me tell you something. Verse 26 says this. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish. Then the outside of them will be clean also. We've got to clean up inside our heart. I'm not here today to tell you how evil you are. I'm here today to tell you how clean you can be. I'm not here to tell you how wicked you are. I'm here to tell you how holy you can be. All we've got to do is call out to God, call out to our Heavenly Father, and say, I need your power. Clean me. Scrub me. Anybody here ever wash dishes? I got a few of you didn't raise hands. (laughs) I got a dishwasher at home. And she does a pretty good job. Now, I, 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 I got a dishwasher at home. And sometimes since I've started doing the cooking, I use every utensil in the house for every meal. I, 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 we, we have this cooking program that we do, Home Chef. And, and when I cut up my vegetables, I've got, I've went and got myself little bowls and stuff to put everything that I cut up in. So those are all dirty. And then I use two or three pots and those are all dirty. And then, and then I'll, I'll have a plate that I, I, I work on stuff with. And then I'll actually plate our food to eat. And, and since I started cooking like that, I won't, I won't plate my cooking on paper. Oh, no, 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 no. It's going on a plate. And, 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 and so I finish cooking and everything in the kitchen's dirty. And I'll run things through the dishwasher. Or I should say Beth will run things through the dishwasher. And I'll pull out a knife and there'll still be something on it. The dishwasher didn't work. And I'll have to get my scrub brush and scrub it. I'll, I'll pull out a frying pan and there'll still be something in it. And I'll have to get the scraper and scrape it out. Why? Because the inside's not clean enough to use. But can I tell you our problem in the church? Sometimes we think as long as it looks good on the outside, the inside will be fine. 
Can I tell you what I do when that frying pan comes out of the oven, out of the oven, out of the dishwasher? If I see something inside that frying pan, I'm going to scrub it clean. But if I see that there's still a little black on the outside of that frying pan, I'm like, Dad, that don't matter. You know why? Because it ain't touching my food. Our problem is, comes when we become more concerned with what we look like on the outside than what we look like on the inside. When we become more concerned on what other people think of us than what God thinks of us. But pastor, God won't tell us. Oh, God will tell you, but it's going to come at the sound of a trumpet. He, he may not be there going, oh, you don't look good right now. Oh, but when that trumpet sounds... You're going to find out that you should have cleaned the inside. He says to them, clean the inside of the, of the cup or dish first, and then the outside will become clean. Then I want you to look at verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly. But inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. We try to clean up our graves. Jesus here, talking to the Pharisees, the church of his day, and says, you have spent your time Decorating graves that are full of wickedness. Christian-ish in 2019 is when we decorate a sinful life. And we try to make it look holy. We take the sin of our life and we try to hide what's inside. But truly what's inside is that we are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. We don't do what we say. We don't follow the word. And we wonder why we're so weak. We wonder why we don't worship right. We wonder why we don't walk in victory. We don't walk in power. Because we've been cleaning the wrong stuff. We've been cleaning the wrong stuff. Church, we've got to move beyond Christian-ish. We've got to quit having the appearance without the heart. I would rather see somebody that had the heart, even if the appearance wasn't there yet. 28, 29 years ago, I preached a revival in Johnson, Oklahoma. Johnson is literally a hole in the road Outside of Shawnee, I think the population of Johnson is like 50 people. They had a church there that would run about 100, 115. And I preached several revivals there. The pastor of that church was one of Dad's best friends, and he bought into my ministry. He, he supported me, and I, he brought me back several times. I spoke. I, I, would, I would be counselor at youth camp with his kids, and his kids would, would, would come out to the revivals I'd preach. His, his own son, who this last year 
last semester was one of Michael's professors in college, Professor Higgins, Mr. Higgins, whatever you called him. And and, and I remember preaching, and and Nate would be sitting on the front row at about a 13- or 14-year-old boy. Yes, that's how old I am. He's now teaching college. But I was preaching a revival there one night, and a young man, I was probably only 20, and he was probably 30. So to me at that time, he was an older man, but looking back now, he's a young man. This young man rededicated his heart to the Lord on a Sunday night. He got fired up. I mean, he got it with both barrels. I mean, he got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, taught how to run the aisles, fell out in the floor, danced. I mean, he, he did it all. Monday night, he was there, and he was fired up. Tuesday night, he was there, and he was fired up. Wednesday night, he didn't make it to church. Thursday night, he was back, and they, gave, they did a testimony service. And this man gets up to testify, and i got to tell you, I'm just quoting. Okay? I'm going to just put the warning out there. I'm just quoting. Mom, if you're watching this, I'm quoting. I'm talking about cleaning the inside before the outside's got it all together yet. He got up to testify, and he said, I want to testify, he said, yesterday. He said, I was late to work. My wife had a car wreck. I got a speeding ticket. We didn't make it to church. It was a miserable day. He said, but I got up this morning and I said, God, I can't live like that. I need your power. And I realized that the devil had tried to get me down, but me and the Holy Spirit, we just kicked his ass. I'm quoting. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I just offended somebody. That's okay. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I would rather have that man witnessing the power of life change than the people that only know how to testify in King James. See, we make ourselves look holy, but inside we're not. I need the time when we allow God to make a change in us, even when we haven't figured it all out on the outside yet. I'm going to tell you, there comes a time that we got to quit worrying about what it looks like on the outside, and we got to let God come and clean up our heart and clean up our spirit. Christian-ish. Christian-ish is not the guy who let a cuss word slip because he didn't know what it was. Christian-ish is the guy that cusses everywhere at work but comes in and says, Oh, it's such, so great to see thou in the presence of thy most holy God. And then you go to work and you talk like a sailor. That's Christian-ish. I'll tell you something, church. It's time we quit playing games. It's time that we quit living a lie. Because the last verse that I read today said all these things will come upon this generation. All these things will come upon this generation. Pastor, he's talking about the Pharisees. Yes, he was. 
but he's talking about you as well. We're supposed to be the generation that ushers in the second coming of the Lord. We're supposed to be the generation that that ushers in the celebration of the resurrection. We're supposed to be the generation that ushers in the last day's revival. I love as Brother Curtis says, when we get to heaven, he believes that Peter and John and James and Paul are going to be running to us saying, you were there in the last days. You were there when God was moving, when God was preparing to come back. What was it like to do ministry? And we're going to go well we went to church but I tell you brother we fought and we finally got it to where we could only sing songs that were 80 years old come on what fights have we fought that we want to brag about in heaven Oh, brother, we fought. And I'm going to tell you right now, there ain't no green carpet in that church. <laughs> Come on now. We, yeah, I picked those because I know we can laugh about them. But I'm telling you, there's some serious ones. That we fought over nothing. We strained at gnats and swallowed camels. And we're going to pay for it. When that trumpet sounds and we stand before that judgment throne, the one thing, praise God, you're not going to be able to say, but Pastor Tommy, because it's going to be you, your God, and your decision. Not going to be my fault. Well, I would have done that, but Pastor Tommy made me mad. And I, he, said, he said a word in a sermon I'll get a phone call. Mom's watching. You watch. I'll get a phone call. (laughs) Let me tell you something. You can't let people keep you from cleaning up your own heart. You can't. You know what I hear so many times? Oh, I used to go to church, but I got hurt by church people. Join the club. I can't tell you how many church people stab me in the back and in the front and in the side. I've seen them come at me head on, and I've seen them sneak around in the shadows. I've been physically attacked by church people. Felt like Stephen, at least they didn't bite me. Tell you something. We, you know why we've been hurt by church people? Because they're people. But if we let them keep us from cleaning ourselves up, if we let them keep us from following our risen Savior, it's not their fault. It's ours. I've heard people say, I don't want to grow because I don't know. I won't know everybody in the church. I won't know what they're like. You don't know everybody anyway. 
And so now we start putting up barriers and you can't come to church and you can't come to church. I said it over and over in this church. We're a small enough town that at some point, and I know it's already happened here, you're going to look back at that back door and your ex-wife is going to walk in the church. Even better yet, your ex-wife's husband is going to walk into church. That, that former business partner that robbed everything from you is going to walk in. That, that, that person that attacked your child is going to walk in the door. And we're going to have to make a decision. Are we clean on the inside or are we not? Are we Christian or are we Christian-ish? Well, if they're going to come to this church, then it ain't big enough for both of us. One of us is going to have to leave, them or me. See ya. Because if we can't forgive, we can't be holy. For if you forgive not, your Father in heaven cannot forgive you. Don't tell me, don't tell me that, oh, well, everything's unforgivable except the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. That's not what Jesus said. He said, if you can't forgive others, my heavenly Father can't forgive you. And if you ain't forgiven, you're lost. Church, why do I preach a message like this? Some of you think it's because I enjoy it. I don't. I don't enjoy it. I tell you what I do enjoy. I do enjoy it when somebody finally listens. And somebody says, you know what? I can't go on the way I am. I've got to change. I've got to change my heart. I've got to quit cleaning the outside. I've got to start cleaning the inside. I've got to quit, quit cleaning up the family room and clean up the whole house. I'm sure none of you have ever done that. Somebody's coming over and you grab everything that's in the, in the living room and you throw it in the master bedroom and you shut the door. If you've never done that, please don't come to my house and look in my office <laughs> that you can't walk into right now because that's where everything gets put. Let's not do that spiritually. Let's quit doing that spiritually. And let's let God clean the house. Throw out some stuff that needs to be thrown out. Get rid of the stuff that stinks. As I told the kids, let's take a shower before we put on the clean clothes. Let, let's, let's let God clean us. Amy, I want you to come to the keyboard. I can't preach about a clean heart and not give you a chance to clean your heart. I can't talk about hypocrisy and not give you a chance to change. I believe there are several people in this church right now that you need to come and let God clean your heart out. The, the, nat, the natural of me I, makes me want to say, the soft, gentle me.
I know there is one, really. There is a soft, gentle me. The soft, gentle me wants to say, I, I, I don't know that you're a sinner, but you just need God to clean out the stuff. That's actually a lie. Because Jesus said, I would that you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I want you to know I love you enough to shoot straight with you. If you're hiding stuff in your life, you're a sinner. Your home, your future is a burning hot hell. And yes, it's a real place. But if you just give it all to him, let him clean from the inside out. Let him move from deep in your heart and flow out through your being. Then your home, your destination becomes heaven. And yes, heaven is a real place. But we can't just look the part. It's got to be about more than we know the words to the songs. It's got to be about no, more than we come to church because mom and daddy bring us. It's, it's got to be about more than we come to church on Sunday because that's what we do on Sunday. It's got to even be more about than we come to church because we like the music or we like the pastor. It's got to be about God, clean me. Purify me. Grab Everything that's dirty in me and pull it out. Why don't you bow your heads all around this building? If you're in this house, you say, Pastor, I've been living Christian ish. I, I want it, but yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't act this way when I'm away from church. I, I, I don't worship daily. I don't read my Bible daily. I don't pray daily. I clean up my tomb. But inside, it's full of death. I, 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 I've washed up the outside of the bowl. But inside... Full of word that is so old, revelation that is so out of date that it's become moldy. I need God. I need God to clean my life. If you need God to clean the inside, won't you lift your hand? So we're going to start. Yes, 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 yes. Got several hands around this building. Anybody else? I'm going to give you just a couple more minutes. You need God to clean the inside. You're tired of the act. You're tired of waiting. You're tired of looking right. You want to feel right. There's got to be more than this. There's got to be more. There is. It's called cleanliness. Here's where the challenge comes. If you raised your hand today, 
I want to challenge you to get out of your seat and come stand in front of this church. Come on. Come on. Pastor, why are you making us come to the front? Because I'm going to tell you something you can't clean up in private. There has to come a place that you make a public confession and say, listen, God's about to do something in me. God's about to change something in me. Don't be afraid. If you raise your hand, I want you to get up here. I saw more hands than I see people. Yeah, I was looking around. I know. All right, come on. Because, see, if you don't walk up here now, you're still trying to keep that face on. And I want to see that victory.